Amen. Thank you, ladies. Beautiful song and beautifully done. We appreciate that so much. Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's open the Word of God to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. It's a blessing to be back tonight. And just to be back in town, we had a great week away and got to spend time with family and spend a little time in the woods enjoying God's creation. Man, I just like to be out there, so it's always fun, whether we, are, whether we harvest anything or not. But praise the Lord, we, we did. Some asked me after church, and I guess I didn't mention it this morning, but we, we were able to harvest a deer. I, I did, and my son and my brother also. And so we had a great time and came back with some of the blessings of that. And uh, we appreciate being able to go and, and just enjoy it together. You know, before we ever, uh, any of us ever even got a deer, I said, you know, guys, I just enjoy being out here. and Just, just the good fellowship and, of course, the beauty of God's creation and being able to be out in it uh, each day. I just said, man, to be, to be out here hunting with you guys and enjoying the good fellowship that we're having, uh, I said, man, that makes the trip worth it right there. And uh, so after that, the Lord blessed us all with uh, something to take home, and that was a blessing too. So we had a great time, and uh, if you've ever done that, it's, I mean, it's, it was three days in the woods, so it's just back to back to back, and uh, the preparations beforehand, and then during the hunt, and then you know, the cleanup afterwards and things we had to do and then packing and coming back. And so, oh, we just, it's been nonstop, I tell you, but it's been great and it was fun. Uh, so, wow, now it's find your own bed and have a good night's rest, right? That's, that's what we're looking for next. Need a few of those just to catch up a little bit. And, uh, and that's good. We've been enjoying that. John chapter 8, and uh, we're going to read in verse 1 in just a moment. If you found your place, let's stand together for the reading of God's word. We'll pray first and begin reading right there in verse 1 as we start John chapter 8. So let's pray together. Father, how we love you tonight. And Lord, how we're thankful for all of the blessings that you bestow upon us. Lord, the Bible just tells us that you daily load us with benefits. And we just see those, Lord, and we're we're grateful. We just uh, thank you for all that you do. And Lord, as we reminisce in this Christmas season, we're thinking about your coming about the wonderful salvation you've provided, Lord, and the good things that you do in our lives. And we just continually just thank you. We want to not only enjoy that blessing, but pass some of it on to others. And we ask that you'd help us be a blessing during this Christmas season, and especially help us as we share Christ and the wonderful gift of salvation, uh, Lord, with those that we have opportunity during this season. And we ask now that you'd bless our, our fellowship and the preaching of your word at this time, Lord, we pray you just be our teacher and guide through the scriptures tonight and impress upon our hearts those things that that you uh, know that we need to hear or be reminded of. Lord, instruct us, guide us, comfort us, encourage us. Through your word tonight, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. In verse 1, the Bible says, John chapter 8, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him. And he sat down and he taught them. And the Pharisees, or excuse me, and the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. 
But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Wow, what a powerful passage of Scripture. The Bible says in verse 6 that Jesus stooped down and with his finger he wrote on the ground. Have you ever thought about that? Tonight I'm going to preach a message I've entitled, What He Wrote in the Sand. What He Wrote in the Sand. Thank you. you may be seated. <clears throat> this is an interesting time. The Bible tells us that Jesus spent a little time in the Mount of Olives, and you know probably that was his prayer time. The Bible does make mention of that on occasion, how that he would go out early, how he would spend time in prayer, sometimes all night praying to God. And then it says in verse 2 that he went to the temple and he was... Teaching, the Bible says they came to him and he sat down and he taught them. You would think the religious crowd, like the Pharisees and the scribes, you, you would think they would readily sit at the feet of Jesus and be eager to hear what he had to say. You, you would think copious notes would be taken uh, as he enlightened them on the depth of the truth of Scripture. But that's not what was happening at all. As a matter of fact, when we read this text, the Bible says nothing about what Jesus said or what he taught. We don't know what the message was or, or what his text was that day. We don't know what book of the Bible that he was speaking or teaching from. We don't know what topic or how he was addressing the crowd, whether he was giving them a message of salvation or, or something you know, to, to encourage believers that they might grow. It's almost as if they weren't even listening. Because for that crowd, they weren't. Have you ever been distracted when you really wanted to hear by someone who wasn't paying attention? The scribes and Pharisees, no doubt, were guilty that day. They just weren't paying attention. And the reason this time was not because someone was causing a distraction. It wasn't because someone was moving around or making noise. They weren't paying attention because they had something else on their mind. As a matter of fact, they had a plot and a scheme that was already in play in the making at this very moment. They had planned this in advance, and now they were, they were conducting uh, their experiment, if you will, on the Lord Jesus, trying to, the Bible says in verse 6, they, they were tempting him, they were trying to catch him, trap him, if you will, in his own words. They knew the Lord Jesus. They knew he loved people. They, they knew he healed others, having mercy and compassion. And they figured they knew just how to catch him. Just how to make him the villain in the eyes of the people. 
Turn him against the word of God. Turn him against the law. Have him do something contrary to the scriptures. Wouldn't that be the day? They just didn't know who they were dealing with. So they had this scheme and this plot. They bring in this woman that was caught in adultery. Verse 4 says, she was caught. They said, Master, she was taken in the very act. So what do you say? Moses said, stone her. What sayest thou? And you know, sometimes with body language and inflection, tone of voice and things like that, we communicate things that we're not actually saying. And as the Lord Jesus saw their countenance and as he heard their words, he knew what they were up to. As if that weren't enough, being the Son of God, he also knew their thoughts and what was in their heart. And the Bible says in verse 6 that he knew they were tempting him. They were not interested in the law. They were not interested in righteousness. They were not interested in the welfare of this woman or the temple or the people. They were just trying to set a trap for Jesus. And they were willing to do anything to catch him in his words. To have something they could use against him. So they, they, they put together this plot and this scheme. And they had this woman. They caught her and brought her in to be stoned or, or not to be. Depending on what Jesus would say about her in front of the crowd. And they were going to do it in such a way that the whole audience would become witnesses. And they thought they had him. In verse 4, think about it. It says, they, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taking adultery in the very act. Hey, hey, I got a question. How did they know where she was? So they could bring her at the very moment Jesus was teaching to confront him with her? Uh, if it was in the very act, I got a question. Hey, where is the guy? I mean, you, you can't be in the act by yourself. So where was he? They didn't bring him. They only brought her, didn't they? It makes you wonder, did they use one of their fellows as bait? Did they plant this and did they plan this and did they craft this just to have some ammunition something to use against Jesus. Verse 6 tells us that that was the heart of the matter. They were just trying to accuse Jesus, and they weren't really interested in justice or they would have brought the man. They weren't really interested in righteousness. <clears throat> they were only trying to trap Jesus. And so, all of these things being understood by the Lord, the Bible says that Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Now, we all know he heard them. Oh, he heard them. Not only he heard what they said, but he heard what they didn't say. And he knew their thoughts. So Jesus, without answering, stooped down and wrote in the sand. Have you ever wondered what he wrote? Well, I did a study on that. I looked it up in the original language, and I'm going to tell you what he wrote in the sand. Once and for all, we'll answer the question, what he wrote in the sand. Number one, I'm going to tell you what he wrote in the sand. It was absolutely the truth. Jesus stooped down and he wrote truth in the sand. 
Now, maybe it was the truth about God's commandments, like thou shalt not commit adultery. And maybe the Lord was thinking about the guy who wasn't captured and brought in with them. And maybe the Lord knew which one of their buddies it was that helped them lay this trap for her so that they could catch Jesus in his words or try to twist the occasion uh, to make him look bad for forgiving this woman. Jesus wrote the commandments down, perhaps, the truth of God's word. He wrote truth in the sand. Maybe he was writing down some of the different commandments that they themselves had violated. Maybe he was writing down things that would remind them of their own sins. Whatever it was, I know it was the truth. And I'm guessing that it might have been the truth of God's word that he wrote in the sand. Isn't it interesting that he stooped down and he wrote on the ground, the Bible says in verse 6, as though he heard them not. And then it says that, he, that when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and he spoke to them, and then he stooped down and wrote again. He wrote the truth about God's word. It was the truth. Maybe it was the truth about their sin. Maybe he was writing out the commandments or the verses that pertained to areas where they, had, they themselves had sinned. Because in verse 7, he said, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone. And so maybe the Lord Jesus, as he wrote out the commandments, maybe he selected the commandments or the verses in the Bible, the truth, if you will, that, that was about their sin, things that they would recognize, realizing that they too were guilty before God. He wrote clearly enough in the sand that they could read what he wrote. We say, how do you know they could read it? Well, I know whatever he wrote was true because it had an effect on them. And I'm believing that they could read everything he wrote, that it didn't look like kindergarten scribble in the sand, that he wrote it in such a way they could read what he wrote. And I say, number two, what he wrote, not only was it truth, but it was convicting. What Jesus wrote in the sand was convicting to them. As they looked down and watched him write there, they were convicted by the truth. And I think part of the reason for that is, you know, because truth is revealing. Truth opens our eyes. Truth helps us see uh, ourselves the way God sees us. Truth removes our excuses. Truth takes the legs out from under our justifications. You know, we all justify what we want to do. And truth eliminates all of those things. They were convicted by the truth, but they were convicted also by their own sin. The Bible says men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. I think what Jesus wrote in the sand helped them see a little bit more clearly how evil their deeds were. Can you imagine concocting this kind of a plan and how they had justified it and rationalized it and they had reasoned it all out in their minds how they were going to do this and set this trap thinking that they were uh, being the savior of the crowd by, by trapping Jesus in his words. They were accusing him of being some kind of false prophet. What he wrote in the sand convicted them. 
The Bible says, by the law is the knowledge of sin in Romans 3.20. And Paul understood that when the law is given, it pricks our conscience, bringing conviction. Because we see ourselves then in light of God's truth and in light of God's word, and it is convicting. What he wrote in the sand tonight was true. It was convicting. But may I say, what he wrote in the sand tonight, number three, was forgiving. Notice her accusers. He wrote on the ground as he heard them not. Then he said, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And the Bible says in verse 8, it says, and, and again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. So this is the second time now that he's writing. He, he's got perhaps, perhaps two columns that he's written in the sand or that he's now writing the second one. I don't know if you've ever tried to make sense of this or figure out specifically what he, what he may have written. The truth is, we don't know every detail about what he wrote. I, I know it was the truth, and I know it was convicting, and I'm seeing that the end result was that it was forgiving. Why was it forgiving? Because as he stooped down, he wrote again. And when he wrote again, we see that they began to connect the truth to their own life, and then they began to connect that reality to their present circumstance. And they each, one at a time, began to realize that they themselves were not worthy to cast the stone of judgment. Why? Because it was convicting, because it was forgiving. Look at her accusers. As they watched Jesus stoop now and the second time begin to write in the sand. I can imagine perhaps maybe if he stooped the first time and one at a time began to write, either a commandment or, or, or scripture, Bible truth about sin, maybe something that penetrated their heart and life, something they would recognize. And he began to make a list. And as he stooped down the second time, I wonder if right next to those accusations, those, those verses of scripture, the commandments of God, I wonder right next to that, if perhaps he began to write, their name. Wow. Can you imagine seeing your name next to that commandment of Scripture? And the next name? And the next name? Could it have been that obvious? Well, I don't know, but the Bible says, look, in the very next verse, it says in verse 9, And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out, not all together, one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And I wonder if that's not because Jesus started at the top. He knew exactly what he was writing. And he wrote that commandment and those lists of Bible truths. And then next to that, he began to write their name, knowing who had violated which one. You know, this is part of their culture. And it's interesting that from their own cultural perspective, they started at the eldest 
and went to the... So he addressed them in the order that would have gotten their attention. And from the eldest to the last, as they began to see what he was writing, they dropped their stones and walked away. Why? Because what he wrote in the sand was truth. And as they saw it, they were convicted. And as they began to walk away, it was forgiving. The Lord Jesus knew what he was doing. The Bible says in verse 6, This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. You know, why is that verse there? It's, it's giving us insight into what was going on in the mind of the Lord. Jesus was God in the flesh. He knew all of that. We would never have known that, but the Bible reveals what he knew as he wrote, as he stooped down and wrote in the sand. So he was dealing with those issues. He was dealing with those Pharisees who were insincere and judgmental, who were critical of others, and using this woman as a pawn in order to accomplish their religious agenda to trap Jesus in his teachings. So he looks up. The Bible says Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus left, uh, lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And with none to, to make accusation, with none to lay claim against you, in a court of law there can be no proceedings. They had just all walked away because of what he wrote in the sand. What he wrote was forgiving to her. Wow. Hey, I wonder tonight, what could God write by your name? You know, we don't need to let past sins weigh us down and keep us from becoming what God wants us to be. That certainly was not about to happen in this woman's life either. This whole story is proof that God wants us to, to go beyond that. That's why he told her, go and sin no more. But at the same time, we need to be willing to sin no more. We need to be willing to put it behind us. We need to be willing to move forward and, and to be better and do good, to, to grow and learn from our experiences as God forgives us. And then think about this woman. Here she is, humbled in the midst of this crowd. Her accusers are now gone, and the Lord says to her, Neither do I condemn thee. Isn't that precious? Hey, tonight we can take refuge in that as well. The Lord doesn't condemn us. Even though he may have written something convicting in the sand toward those would-be accusers in her day, the Lord didn't even accuse them. He just disarmed their little trap, is what he did. He just revealed the truth so that they could see they were no better than she. Because they came in as if they were, bringing her into the picture to use as bait. 
What he wrote in the sand, well, here it is. This is, what, this is the story that's never been told. What Jesus wrote in the sand was this. It was mercy. He wrote mercy in the sand for everyone who was present that day. And this story was captured in the Bible so that you and I would know that the Lord Jesus does forgive. We can all analyze the story and say, was she guilty? Well, in spite of their uh, wrong motives for what they were doing, yeah, she was. Did she deserve punishment? Yes, just like all of them, she also deserved punishment. So do we. But Jesus was willing to forgive her. And Jesus is willing to forgive us. And you know, that's why you and I should be willing to forgive others. We should not be the kind of people that hold someone's past over their head forever. We should not be the kind like the Pharisees who are quick to condemn. Let's give people room to grow and people room to confess. And let's give people room to call on the Lord and obtain the mercy that Jesus offers and the forgiveness that he brings. We should be pointing people to that forgiveness. We should be telling people about that forgiveness. We, we should be uh, free advertisers of God's mercy and his forgiveness because we know we are the recipients. Just like this woman, we are the recipients of the grace of God and the mercy that Jesus provided at Calvary. The mercy that Jesus wrote in the sand penetrated both the letter and the spirit of the law in this situation. The law was upheld, yet at the same time, mercy was extended and this woman was forgiven. Only God can do that. Jesus said, I'm not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Jesus established the Old Testament and then built on top of that the New Testament. Both now stand the covenants of God, giving us the whole story of God and the redemption of his grace. This, is, this story is a beautiful illustration of what Jesus meant when he said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Now this doesn't mean that we should ignore sin. This doesn't mean that we should have no standards for living. This doesn't mean uh, that we should uh, just let everything go. But it does mean that there's a time to forgive people. It does mean that there's, there's, there are things that, that should not define us. It does mean that there's a time that, that we forgive and, and we forget and we move on. And thank God for that time. Because we've all experienced it. And as we come into contact with others, just like this woman, may God help us to remember what he wrote in the sand. It was truth. It was convicting. It was forgiving. Because it was mercy. Oh, I don't know the exact words that he wrote. I can only imagine. And we've speculated some during the message tonight. But if we understand the heart of Jesus, then we understand the mercy that he wrote in the sand, even if we can't read the words. Right? We see his heart. We see what he did. And the message is learned. Thank God for his mercy tonight. I know I've experienced it, and we have together.
And let's look for opportunities to share the mercy of God with others. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, how we love you tonight. How we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for being forgiven. You're not a God in heaven that's just looking for the first opportunity to club us over the head when we, when we mess up. Lord, you're not an angry God waiting to just strike us with lightning when we step out of line. That is how some people see you. But Lord, this story captures the heart of God and lets us know that you have mercy. There is a time for punishment and there is a time for, for you know, those other things. But Lord, for those who would come to you for forgiveness and receive it, like this dear woman, you are ready to offer mercy and grace. And Lord, as we who are recipients of that tonight have come to receive it ourselves, we say thank you. And we ask you to help us to be wise as we deal with others, to know when, when is that time to confront and when is that time, Lord, just to forgive. And Lord, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. Bless us by your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.